Hello, 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 artists. Welcome to the Thriving Artist Podcast, where we talk about mindset, business, balance, art, and everything in between. Today, we will be joined by Kaylee Jolly, who is a full-time graphic designer and mom. So I think you will really enjoy her insights. She is full of wisdom. And so we will jump right into her story. Thank you, Kaylee, for coming (laughs) on the podcast today. So you are a graphic designer who gets to travel. Yes. Dream job right now. Is it is it what it's sounding like? Does it feel like work or are you loving it? Um, I mean, it's like with everything, right? There's always I, I think either people are lying or they're just the type of personality that overlooks the realities of life. But I mean, there's always good and bad to everything, right? But I would say the majority of my job is is as wonderful as I would hope. Like I'm very privileged and very lucky to have found a profession that I enjoy, like wholeheartedly enjoy. And, um, to be with a company that I wholeheartedly like enjoy being with and respect and to be doing the type of creative work that I also wholeheartedly enjoy, you know? So it does feel pretty creative. Most of the time, there's not like a lot of like busy work between creative projects it's mostly creative stuff well I mean there's there is busy work I guess you could call it I I'd call it like more production work like entering text you know because we're you know when I'm working on a catalog we have to update prices or we work on um what we call versioning so since we are in multiple uh, language markets we have to take our publication that we created in English and then input uh, translated text. So French text, German text, and that can get monotonous, but I also feel like I, I personally like the balance I like, because if it was all creative all the time, I think I'd get burnt out. Mm-hmm. If it was all production all the time. I would also get burnt out. And so because it's a nice balance, I feel like it's allowing my brain to do different things. Like sometimes I like the mindlessness of just entering text, making sure, sure it looks good. Other times I'm craving, you know, that really like brainstormy, collaborative exploration, like pre-concept phase where you're just figuring out like, what does a project look like? What do the color scheme look like? What does the typeset look like? I just, it's that part is very fun. But if it was that all the time, I think it would get really exhausting. So, but it's also the type of job that I And the reason I went back to work, because I took a break from this specific job after I had my son, Um, the reason I went back to work at this specific job was not only the opportunity just arose, but it was also because I felt like this was a job that challenged me enough, but not so much that I was burnt out or resentful or hating life. Um, So it allowed for space to also have a life outside of my job. So like it also, it's allowed me to have the space to like try to figure out who I am creatively, you know, and try to figure out who I am as a human, right? So creativity is a part of me, but there's other parts as well. And so, yeah, so it's been, it's really is, I, again, I'm very privileged to be in this space. Like, and I, I, I really don't take it for granted because I know that a lot of people 
go to work and it's drudgery and they hate it. And I just, I I've been in that space. Like I have been in those places and it's why I think it's why I don't take this for granted because I have had jobs that I have profoundly hated and that have just <laughs> completely killed parts of my soul. <laughs> so like you get to work, work. <laughs> you get to work a little bit from home and you go into the office sometimes. And sometimes you go to places like Vienna. Yeah. Um, so why, why do you get to travel? What, what, like you go for, is there a reason or are they just really nice and let you travel? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I, um, in our role, from what I understand, I've never worked on another team with, like, I've never worked with another events planning team in this specific job. The events team that I work with, they have less to do with the look and feel of the event than we do. And it's, from what I understand, it's been a hard thing to delineate, like, where do their responsibilities lie? Where do our responsibilities lie? But we are, gen like, they're not graphic designers. They probably have, I, I think some of them do have more, like, like having more creative input. And I respect that. Um, but I that's one thing like we are the ones who are figuring out okay so I we have a I'll, I'll I guess I'll use this past event Vienna for example um so my co-worker is the one who figured out the look and feel of that event so the color scheme that we follow oh, okay the product that we highlighted um and she used a lot of our products so we we like I said we're a paper crafting company so we have papers that are created by a, a product design team and and they're very artistic that's part of the uh, appeal of them for the paper crafters that we serve in the industry and the appeal of them is that they are very artistic like a lot of these product designers paint or do pastels or um, illustrate you know and so there's a lot of them are very artistic very watercolor based um the a uh, product that we used in in Vienna for our past event was uh, like oil paintings. And so, but it was like modern, just fun, designy, abstract oil paintings. And so, um, so that my, my coworker is the one who figured out, okay, this is the product we'll highlight. These are the typefaces we're going to use. This is how we're going to apply. Like this is our skeleton. This is our backbone for the design. And then I was able to come in on the project and say, okay, that's what you've done. I created, um, <clears throat> in like one of our main spaces. So when you, you come into this event, you have a big space where you check in, there's tables, there's mingling, there's whatever. And then there's offshoots, you know, there's your stage area, there's your class area. And in this particular space, I was able to come up with different like activities that helped highlight the product and helped get these, what we call demonstrators. It's just another word for salespeople, um, <clears throat> get them excited for this product. And so, um, for example, I created a, we did these really big interactive boards that highlighted these products. There was one product called um, it was like a rain or shine suite of products. So the product had a lot of kind of cutesy little animals, um, a lot of kind of watercolory based loose sketches. And because it was rain or shine, I was like, well, let's do a giant tic-tac-toe board. And I designed this tic-tac-toe board to go over some of this paper. Like we blew up the paper really big on the, on these, on these, uh, giant boards. Really, they were like, what? 
eight, nine feet tall by like 10 ish feet wide. So they were really big. Yeah. And, um, so we blew the paper up that big, kind of did some design work with the stamp sets because they they sell rubber stamps as well. Um, so did some design work with stamps, again, blew it up really big. And then I created these little like sunshines. So instead of tic-tac-toe with X's and O's, one of them was a sunshine and one of them yep. was a raindrop. And so you do tic-tac-toe with like a sunshine and a raindrop. So cute. yeah, so that was... Um, and I did four different like quadrants of that. And so it's, uh, so that's why it's valuable for us to go because we're able to go and make things, make sure things look good while the events team, they run a lot of the logistics, you know, they run making sure that, um, the stage is looking good. They have like a, oh gosh, what is she called? She's more like the AV sort of events specialist right so she Mm -hmm. manages the behind the scenes of the production of like the actual session I guess I don't know that part's so foreign to me because it's just like not what I deal with so um so that's more what they do and then we just make sure like okay you know after a session is done and people leave we go through and we tidy up all the tables we make sure that all the 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 decor for the tables looks good we make sure that you know, just everything is looking good. So cool. Cool. So you're just like the <clears throat> the creative vision of everything and making sure everything goes well. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, before we go much further, I, I, I'm on the edge of my seat about your big art dream. I just like really oh want to hear about it. <laughs> so, so perfect world, like everything works <clears throat> out. No fear. You're just like, this is my dream. This is my- <clears throat> well, and that's where, so I'm going to caveat it with, or provide this caveat. And I feel like I always do this. I always provide caveats just because mm-hmm. I feel like life, life is so nuanced and everybody's so, so different and everybody yeah. has different experiences. And so, um, so I'll add this addendum to the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say really the past few years, I've focused less on a specific dream and more on just what, cause I just like, didn't know. I was like, I don't even really know what I want to do, but I just started focusing on what felt good in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was like, I really love florals. Right. So I followed that. I was like, I really love florals, which led to me. I've always loved gardening. So like I, I dabbled, I've dabbled a little bit in like gardening and some floral design, like light, light. Yeah, floral yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I've always loved, uh, like lettering. And so I've kind of tried, I've given myself a goal, you know, I have my own creative demons to deal with. So I've been battling those for about 10 or so years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gave myself a goal this year to try to like sketch every day for 10, just 10 minutes, you know, and to kind of focus in on lettering because it's something I'm actually very, you know, they always say like, what did you do when you were a teenager? That like is a good indicator of what you love to do. I wasn't sketching like little, I I was lettering. That's what I was doing. And so before I knew what lettering even was, and I I remember a a letter you sent to me when I was on my LDS mission mm-hmm. and uh the lettering was just gorgeous <laughs> I just remember being like this is beauty in my hands <laughs> it was a yeah, letter so yeah. anyway so that's that's another like um avenue that I've gone 
and followed and I've learned I love color. And so I don't know what that means yet. Like, I don't know like why or what, but I've just been like, okay, I love color. So let's see where that leads. But um, one thing I've realized lately, um, I just participated in, uh, I don't know if you know who the house that Lars built is like, do you know who that is? Do you follow her at all? It sounds really familiar. Okay. So she is, uh, her name is Brittany Jepson. Like, I don't know her. She is not uh-huh. like a, friend, I, a personal friend of mine. I'd uh-huh. like to think we could be friends, but like, <laughs> also I feel like that's just the internet, right? We're all yeah. connected. And, um, but she, uh, has, I guess it's like a craft blog. Okay. Looking at like, I guess a craft platform now. I don't really know craft website, craft company, craft. Yeah. It's crafty, but it's also designy. Anyways, uh-huh. I was through and I just participated in a challenge or a thing where she she had people sign up for a Valentine's exchange. Okay. And so I signed up, I made a Valentine, sent it to this person and was looking on her website for some inspiration and was getting, I noticed myself getting very jealous of these artists that had collaborated with her and had like prints and things in her shop. And I, I feel like, every self-help book will tell you like, what are you jealous of? That's an indicator of like something that's going on. And like, I was like, wow, that is fascinating. And so like, Mm -hmm. it was just like a big, I was like, okay. So like, I don't know that this is like a big life goal, but like, I would love to be able to get to a point where I have enough of a portfolio, uh, whatever that looks like. Again, I don't really even know what my style is right now. Like I'm just, allowing myself the space to figure out what that looks like for me I have a program for that by the way do you I hate to be I hate I hate to feel like I've like not been involved in your life oh no 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 you're fine I'm never online like I'm not well that's not true I'm always online but I'm never on social media like I never get on Facebook I never get on Instagram and so I like I knew you were starting a podcast, but like, I didn't even know what it was called. Anyways. So that's really cool. We'll have to chat offline about this. We will. We will. (laughs) But, um, anyways, yeah. So I would love, I was like one day I would love to like be able to collab with her and collab, collab, Mm -hmm. collaborate with her and have like something of mine in her like awesome print shop. And so, and now I'm embarrassed a little bit. Are you kidding? You have like a little, you have a podcast group people and I'm sure one of them's like, I know her. And anyways, so it's just, whatever. It's cool. I There's nothing to be embarrassed about with that. I don't even, like what, you're embarrassed that it's, what? I don't know. I think I Fangirl? Is that what you're embarrassed about? Well, no, I love being a fangirl. I am all in on fangirling. Uh Uh-huh. I think my embarrassment is just coming from like, I have some very fragile creative confidence that I'm just allowing to blossom. And like I said, I have some creative wounds and I think that feels very vulnerable creatively to like say those things. And I, um, and so I think that's why I'm like, I'm still kind of tending to my creative confidence a little bit. Okay. Cause that sounds really possible to me for you. Oh, I know. And that's the thing. It okay. feels like it's really possible for okay. me, but it also feels like a stretch for me. Really? Okay. It's okay. like, it's a stretch goal, but it's not an unrealistic stretch goal, right? Like mm-hmm. if I was to say, I'd love to design an album 
like the album artwork for a Taylor Swift album because like I would love to do that. I also like that is a stretch goal that I'm like, mm, yeah, no, nope, no, nope, that's the one I want to hear. <laughs> I like both of them, but I'm, yep, okay, album, I'll do that one. That is another one though, and Taylor I would say Swift that one album cover. Okay, <laughs> well, even just any album, I love like designing merch. Like uh-huh. that was so fun. I love my husband and I are big concert goers. I love band shirts. Like I told my friend once, I was like, you know what? I think my my fashion style is band merch. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I just love, I love band merch. And it's funny because I'm actually designing swag for paper, like a paper crafting company. I'm like, that's not a far jump. So I feel like that, but I mean, for Taylor Swift, like, yeah, maybe one day, who knows? Like, I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not one to say like, that'll never happen. But also like, you know, even if it was for one of my like favorite indie bands, I'd be like tickled pink. So cool. (laughs) Cool. You should uh, reach out to them. Be like, Hey, look at this cool thing. Yeah. And that's one thing I've thought about. I'm like, you know, really, I need a good, like, these days it's so Instagram based or, or like web based. Right. Like, and I just don't feel like I have a good enough solid, like personal portfolio of creative. Oh, you wouldn't need to do a portfolio for something like that. You could just design a cover for them that you could put in your portfolio if you wanted, but you could send it to them. And, but I need to design a thing. So yeah. So design a thing and send it to them. I, I think that would be awesome. You should. You should because you're very talented. So <laughs> if you, yeah, send them a design and see what they say because anything could happen. I emailed Steve Harvey one time and Stop got it. an email back. <laughs> Wait, from Steve Harvey? He emailed you back? His team did. Oh, okay. Um, it was random. And uh, yeah, we were going to do a children's book thing, but I didn't have an agent at the time. And I kind of like probably messed that up a little bit somehow. That's amazing. But they responded. <laughs> they responded. That's a big deal. Yeah. You have an agent now? I do. Oh my gosh. A, a literary agent. I have a literary um, agent. Yeah. She, I mean, she, she said that there would maybe be illustration projects, but it's mostly just been my own picture books that we've been. Which, can out. I tell you, we read your girl who had almost everything. We've read it. And <laughs> hey, hey. I, it's funny because whenever we read it, we get insert to- gag faces here. Well, <laughs> yeah, she's sorry. gagging. Sorry. No, I mean, it's really good. You should go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what though? Like, I think that's really valuable to be like, oh, I hate the stuff that I did six years ago, five years ago, whatever, because it's like, that means you've evolved. That means like the, hopefully you've evolved in a positive direction and that you mm-hmm. like where you are now, which I think what artist doesn't feel that way. But I also think about it. Let's go back to Taylor Swift because I love her. Yes. I'm I'm a bit of a can I swear on this podcast? Like what's your what's your rating level? I I mean, I think I have a lot of like mom artists. So if they're like okay. listening with their kids, but I don't know. I don't know. So, you, do, you do you. You do I you don't a, Yeah. Don't don't change a, who you are. I won't I won't <laughs> I won't go so far into some like R rated language. <laughs> But I'm a bit of a basic bitch when it comes to <laughs> because I love her and uh-huh. I'm not ashamed of it. Anyways, um, I look at her and she's been re-recording so many of her albums, you know, to have ownership over her body of work. And um, and if I just reduce that, like, and if there's, I'm sure there's a fangirl out there who's like, that's not what it is. Like, please correct me. It's fine. 
for the purposes of this, this is what we, where we are. But, um, I look at it and I'm like, I love where she is now. And I look back at where she was at 16 or 19 and I'm like, good for her for like owning that space where she was. Like, I think there's something to be said for that. Like she's, cause she probably is like, you know, I've done a lot better. Like I used to like sing about, like she used to be more country. She used to sing about like boys and it was cute. And I loved it when I was 16. I mean, I still, that part of me still loves it, but I think she like, she's never been like, Oh, I hate listening to what I did. Mm. Like very, like she owns that body of work. Cause that mm. is part of her. So I don't know. Part like, of her story and her progression. Okay. Uh-huh. I'll try like, to take that lesson from Taylor Swift. <laughs> own your past. <laughs> own it. She's a better musician now. Like it's, it's hard to say, right? Like, but I, I feel like she's evolved so much as a musician and, but she's still like respect the person who created the girl who created the music 12 13 years ago so yeah yeah um I would love to hear some of your uh mommy thoughts about mom and a career because you're such a career boss woman oh gosh that's and (laughs) that the the thoughts and things that you told me when I was trying to I was fighting those inner battles of like, is it selfish for me to want a career? But then also being like, no, like I need this for my mental health and my personality and just like everything to like be true to who I am and to not resent my kids and whatever. Mm -hmm. But you, you gave a lot of, I just hearing you talk about it was just, it was words of wisdom um so philosophical pie yes a reason philosophical (laughs) pie exactly exactly um so I would love like where are you at with that right now is it like not even an issue for you are you just like you've made you made this decision and now you're good I guess with a full-time job it helps because you committed and now you don't back out where I'm a freelance artist. I'm like, sometimes I'm making that decision daily, but I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like having like a schedule where it's like, this time is sacred and no one can take it from me. Um, But I'm wondering for you, because that was such like a commitment choice of like, I'm doing this, I'm signing up, so to speak, like, I got this full-time job. Like, do you feel so committed to that, that you don't feel any of that mom guilt, shame, cultural talk to me? Yeah. Talk, talk to you. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess for, first of all, I think it goes, I think I need to, again, provide a caveat or a, an addendum (laughs) Uh, just because my experience is, my experience right it's nobody else's experience and just because something worked for me or because I have a specific philosophy about motherhood or whatever does not mean it's going to work for everybody and I actually can almost guarantee there's probably some mothers who listen to this podcast who would disagree wholeheartedly with how I have approached motherhood but I also know that my life is happier my life is more satisfied my life is more fulfilled and I do not resent my spouse or my kids. Mm. I mean, my kids are hard. My kids are hard. I, I think my personality just struggles with kids at the age that my kids are at and that's okay. I'm, I lean into my strengths where I have them and I let go of the rest. So what ages are your kids right now? 
My son is going to be six in May. So he's currently five. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter is three going to be four in April. So we're like looking at six and four, which feels so nice because you anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, talk to you. Um, how far back do you want me to go? Cause I feel like I have in order to have gotten to this point where I have, to be honest, like I feel very little mom guilt. Yeah. That's so cool. Good. Good. I'm I'm, I'm close to that now. Good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I, I, I don't see that as a flex or as a judgment. No. Like, it's just I nice did, to know that it's possible. It's, <laughs> this is like, well, it's like hope. It's like, oh, yeah. Good. Well, and I just feel like in order to explain how I got to that point, mm-hmm. I think I need to go back a little bit. And I don't, I just am hoping I don't like yak your ear off because I told you, I told you in text, I was like, this is the thing I'm very passionate about. Uh-huh. And I just like, don't want to, I just, I, I don't know. I want to make sure I condense the story enough so that it's palatable to people who are listening. So. Okay. Yeah. It's important stuff. I mean, we can make two episodes out of it if you want. I don't pay for Zoom, which is, you know, kind of problematic, but it also helps me like keep things condensed, but we could okay. definitely do two if you get going and you want to keep going. Okay. Well, Zoom is making enough money. It's fine. So <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'm so sorry. My throat is so dry and I'm going to be You're like, fine. You're good. Yeah. You're gonna hear some nice little like ice tinkles. Tinkles. No oh, the worst. <laughs> Why did I see that? <laughs> um, so I'll try to I'll try to distill it as much as I can. Um, I grew up uh in a very conservative religious Christian culture. And the way that I just based on my personality, based on my family experience, based on my interpretation of the things within that conservative Christian culture, uh, I was always taught to value being a mother and a wife. I never felt like I was taught how to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And I, um, as I grew up, I also was very much like the, a good girl. It's that good girl mentality. I think it's not uncommon for a lot of Christian women in a very orthodox Christian culture to grow up with that good girl mentality. Yeah. And it was like, I just, I follow the rules. I stay safe. I think part of that was informed by my family dynamic, which I mean, there's nothing good or bad about that. It just was. Um, but I, I grew up with this idea that I will, I had this plan in my head. It was like, I'm going to graduate college, get married, have babies. That was it. Mm-hmm. I had nothing else after that. But let me tell you this. There are some women who grow up and they're like, I just want to be a mom. And they genuinely mean that. Yeah. That was not me. I never like was ever like, I just want to be a mom. I yeah. barely wanted to be a mother. Same. And I, that doesn't surprise me at all. I'm like, of course we got along as well as <laughs> we're like faded friends. Like, yes. Um, but I was very ambitious in high school. That ambition got kicked a little bit at university just because the environment that we were in, 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 uh, in school was very hard for me, but that's, that's a whole other soapbox. Um, but I was very ambitious, very much like gung ho do the things right. Like, and I, 
loved learning, loved doing, I just, I, I just am an ambitious person, you know, yeah. to an extent, I, I would say healthy ambition. I'm not yeah. all about the hustle. I'm very much like a Zen. I'm very Zen about ambition, right? Nice. Um, <laughs> um, but because I had this part of me that was ambitious and then I had this other part of me that was the good girl, right? It was like, I never really like superseded this idea. I don't know if that's the correct word, but I never like overcame this idea that I was going to be a wife and a mother and thought, well, what about me? Like, it's okay. Like in no way was I ever taught, like, it's not okay to fulfill what you want to do. It was just, that wasn't the focus. The focus was wife, mother. And so, um, also you I, need to be- I feel like it was so hard for the past generations to do both. And I feel like it's easier now. Like there's more yes. resources, more, mm-hmm. yeah, just ways to do both. But yeah, yeah, it just didn't seem like a possibility for me either. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I graduated college, I got married and was like, I am not ready for kids. And so I went back to school and it was at the end of my, my previous degree, um, that or my first degree that I realized how much I love graphic design my first degree was in illustration as you Mm -hmm. know because we both did similar degrees that's how we met Mm -hmm. um but then I realized how much I loved graphic design and was just like intrigued by the you know the the lovely maiden that is graphic design I don't know what that is but (laughs) anyways so I went back to school and got a second uh bachelor's degree in graphic design and got a better job And, um, that was actually the job that I currently have now. This was six or seven years ago. And so I loved my job. I loved it. And it was at this point that I was like, okay, uh, babies, right? Like that's the natural next step. I didn't think a whole lot about it. All I knew was that I was nervous to have kids. And I remember having a conversation with my mother about it saying, she's like, well, why wouldn't you want to have kids? And I was like, I'll have to wake up in the middle of the night diapers, no sleeping. My marriage will probably struggle. Like all of the things that are terrible about having kids that Mm -hmm. were still terrible about having kids after I had kids. She's like, well, if I'd thought about that, I never would have had kids. And it was like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) precisely. (laughs) I think I, and I, I just remember having conversations with my husband too. And he was like, you know, when having conversations about kids and I was like, no, I'm not ready for this. And he was like, he'd get kind of frustrated about it. We've come a long way since then, but he'd get frustrated. And it was like, do you understand how your life? And at this point he was the one working. And I th- I can't remember where I was. I might've still been in school at this point, but it was like, you are working. Your life will remain very much the same. Like, yeah, there's going to be a little blip, but like, if I'm the one at home with kids, your life is going to be pretty much the same. And I am going to drown. Yeah. And- he was like, anyways, again, we have come a long way. Um, very much a co-partner in this situation. Awesome. We are very much equals. So um beautiful. But uh, so I was reluctant. And finally, you know, I had my job. Um, you know, Parker was working, whatever. We were, I was in my late 20s, right? Which <clears throat> I feel like in the culture that we grew up in, that's a pretty there's it's not uncommon for women within this like christian conservative culture to have children before 25 it's not uncommon and so i was 27 almost 28 when i had my first child 
And um, I regret nothing about when I had my kids. And so I had my son and I remember being at home with him during maternity leave because at this point I was still working and thinking, well, now what? Like, what next? And this was just like a glimpse of what was to come, which was, you know, I ended up quitting my job just because I hadn't quite figured out how to be a co-partner with my husband. And early days of babies, so much of it is profoundly on women. Like you're physically recovering, your Mm -hmm. body is trying to like work through all the new hormones and all the things, not to mention breastfeeding, which I always said if I had a third, which I'm never having another child, but if I had a third, I would not breastfeed. Again, there's going to be a lot of moms that are like, what? But I said my mental health cannot handle it. If we have another baby, there's no way. Um, Sorry, I told you I'm really like passionate about it. No, you're good. I love it. I love Um, it. We'll uh, we'll start another one here in six minutes. Yes. So um, anyways, so I, I, um, was still working, but things were hard. You know, I was commuting. My son was on my commute with me because I found a daycare center nearby. It was just hard. And I feel like if I had given it another year after having my son, I probably would have just kept working. Mm-hmm. It was so hard just with all of that, all of the complexity. And I look at it at, well, we'll get there anyway. So I quit my job. I was still freelancing for them, for my team. Um, but I became a a a stay-at-home parent and my husband was the one who was working and so we had my daughter or I had my daughter let's be real Parker had Parker had very (laughs) little to do with that situation I pushed that baby out of my body okay yeah you did um anyway so I had my daughter and it was at this point in my in my motherhood journey that um I like that second baby. I don't know how it was for you, but it destroyed me. Like I was so tired. That first baby is so nice because you're like, I sleep when the baby sleeps and you're just in this little like, oh, and that's not how it is for everybody. Let's also be realistic here. A lot of women do not experience that. They have like postpartum depression every time. I only had it with my second child, Hmm. but um, like for my experience, much easier on the first baby, much more difficult with the second. Mm -hmm. And it was hard because I was combating dealing with, um, like parenting a two-year-old and my son at that point was like showing signs of some developmental delays. He was not speaking. His receptive language was non-existent. He had been in physical therapy from the moment that I had conceived my baby that was like a weird, like I found out I was pregnant two days later, we were in a physical therapy session because my 16 month old was not even crawling. Hmm. So I was going every two weeks to physical therapy, which that then led into every two weeks of speech therapy up until I had my baby. And so it was like, he was still so young. This was under two. He wasn't even wow. two at this point. Yeah. He was still so young and I, I remember talking to my speech therapist and saying like, 
what is that like this could this could be she's like really at this age this could be a lot of things there's a history there's like a family history on my husband's side of of speech development issues so like it could just be that it could be autism it could be nothing like we just don't know yet and so um <clears throat> I was confronting that complexity with now having a baby and as you're your community probably knows like you have a baby and it's just you are I'm you are not destroyed but like you are physically compromised <laughs> physically mentally emotionally like all of it you are compromised yeah. and not always in a bad way but like you are vulnerable mm -hmm. and so um I sorry this is so long I apologize but I so I was dealing with that and it was actually um in that space where I and I, th I think it's important to talk about this just because this is part of my experience this is how I got to a point I just I'm trying to explain where I was so that You're we could point of that's where I was which is just like down in the depths of despair and then I got to this point of like having very little mom guilt. Yes, which is amazing. Like, it's so funny. Like I really don't, I do You've occasionally, come a long but it way. feels like a very healthy amount of like I love it. caring about my children. So sure. it's, it feels convoluted, but it all is so interwoven and in such a, I look back at it now and in, it really, I feel like in such a beautiful and complicated way, which I think is everybody's life. So, sure. um, so I had my daughter, it was fall after having my daughter. She was almost six months old when I was like desperate. I was, mm -hmm. I was reaching a point of desperation. And I remember having a conversation with Parker. It was like a crazy weird turning point. Cause it was just like, I knew I needed to express to him that I was not okay. And that I needed to figure some things out. Like, yeah. and at this point I had a therapist, like I've had a therapist off and on for years. And so, um, I went to my therapist, chatted with her, went to my gynecologist and got, uh, on a prescription for Zoloft, which I am still on. <laughs> I'm on it now too. Party. <laughs> <I'm not> <laughs> um, but, um, <clears throat> that, uh, help me get my head above water and yeah. just take the edge off really. Absolutely. Um, but it was in this period that I, I had, it was the beginning of what I would like to call the great spiritual upheaval slash awakening. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> I've never called it that before, but it, that is exactly what it was. And we're going to stop there. I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seat till next week when we find out more about Kaylee's spiritual awakening. I think it's so beautiful that Kaylee worked to design her life and find a way to feel content as a mom and as a creator. So if you're searching for that balance in your life and figuring out what that looks like for you because it looks different for each mom, so click the link and see if it resonates with you. Obviously, it's not going to be the right path for every mom. But if you're trying to figure out how to do both motherhood and an art career, please check it out. And I will see you in the next episode.